Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. Yep, it's our Sunday Mailbag edition. Just two short weeks away from Christmas, if you can believe that. Uh, this is getting real, real fast, mate. It's uh, it's getting a bit scary. We're getting there. Uh, it's not going to be long. And, uh, wow, I don't know. Have you done your Christmas shopping? That's not how I roll, my friend. <laughs> the I, mate I talk about, of course, is Andrew Page. Mate, I'm glad you're with me. Are, are you outsourcing your Christmas shopping like I am? As much as I possibly can. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's to everyone's benefit if my wife does, does more oh, of so that true. kind of stuff. But of so the true. stuff that I do need to do, what I like to do for some, because I'm a <laughs> sadomasochist or something, is I like to wait until two or three days out and then get hit by a massive, you know, panic? Um, bout of mm-hmm. panic. And then desperately rush around trying to find something. That's that's, that's how I've done it so far. It's, I'd yeah. like to say it's worked out so well, it's worked out well so far. It hasn't, but uh, you know, um, too well. We change. know one at the shops at that point, and plenty of stock on the shelves, so there shouldn't be anything <laughs> yeah. can go wrong. Yeah, right. What could possibly what go wrong with that? Exactly. I should say we are pre-recording some of these episodes, by the way. So if important news is broken in the last couple of days, I'm sorry, we're not going to cover it. Uh, we are banking some episodes for you over the Christmas break, and we're kind of just trying to push a couple of things forward, mailbag in particular, because they tend to be less time-sensitive. Uh, so we are recording this one a couple of weeks earlier. Uh, so, as I said, whatever's happened between now and then, uh, either you're welcome or we're sorry or one of those things, somewhere in between, right? Just just um, Hakuna Matata or something. I hope, I hope life is, yeah. is good in the fallout shelter. We do, that's right. <laughs> Maybe this never goes to air. Maybe, you know, the podcast world breaks down. and You, <laughs> you know. never know. I did, I did notice, actually, speaking of recording this in advance, a couple of days ago, there was some uh, comments on Twitter about your reference to the podcast machine, <laughs> which yes. I love because I mentioned the podcast machine a few times and gone, gone without notice. You mentioned it once and I was like, what's this podcast machine Andrew keeps talking about? <laughs> I didn't like, even remember what? saying it, but I'm sure I did, yeah. Yeah, you did. It mm. was last week. It, was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't Andrew the first half a dozen times, but you picked up the last one. They grabbed that one and was like, Andrew keeps saying podcast machine. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. He really does. <laughs> anyway, we did joke about the fact that uh, I couldn't find the wind-up handle for it and uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we go. Mate, speaking of the podcast machine, Rob has been listening on his podcast machine, has a question for us. Mm-hmm. Is hi, Scott and Andrew. Thanks again for your entertaining and informative podcasts, which I look forward to each week. Crypto or no crypto, he says. <laughs> Preferably no crypto. You often have questions on ETFs, but I don't think the subject of relative market performance has been discussed. I note that the US markets have considerably outperformed the ASX and the, new, the London Exchange, the FTSE or the FTSE, over the past four to five, uh, five, past five years, he says four to six times. Do you think this will continue? As it would appear, a US-based ETF would be the best choice given recent performance. I've added a chart to illustrate the differences. Now, we, <laughs> we, uh, we can't use charts on this podcast, but Rob, at least you've given it to us so we can look at the chart. Thank you, mate. And it is true, mate. Recently, over the past five years, as he says... The Aussie market's been left in the dust by the US markets. I should say, a city report that came out a few months ago actually said the Australian market has been the best since, I'm going to say, I think it was 1900 or it might have been 1910, something like that. Basically, mm. they put, a, put a, a, a report out and said, we actually beat the rest of the world, mm. uh, which was pretty impressive. So I guess Rob's question, or lots of questions, do we take the last five years as indicative? Have things changed? Is there mean reversion? Should we be investing in the US? Should we consider the relative performance of different markets when thinking about ETFs? Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're never going to operate in, in perfect lockstep. Um, they're just never going to happen. And why would they? Think about it for a second. Why would mm. they? They're different companies. Um, so there's, there's, no, there's no reason why that should be the case. Um, 
Now, historically, we can talk about facts, is, as you said, like over the longest, over, you know, over the last 121 years, we've done better. Mm. Over the last five years, the US has done better. And when you yep. look at the, when you look at all the periods in between, there's there's been various. They actually they've actually tracked pretty closely. Yeah, they have. Yeah. In, in in modern history, at least, and and uh, you you can argue which one is better and the rest of it. What the mm. question is, what's what's coming in the next 20 or 30 years? I don't know. So I invest in both. Um, <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. uh, don't overthink it. I, I I would say yes. I mean this this is so this is at the the root of a lot of investor woes is that mm-hmm. we all chase performance. It's more noticeable in actual managed funds, where at the end of every year, yeah. you know, res, uh, return tables are produced. If yours had a bad year, everyone sells out and they put it all into the good one. And mm-hmm. studies have shown that actually the reverse is actually a better strategy. <laughs> take it out of the better performing one and put it into the worst one um, be, be, because there is kind of a sort of a mean reversion that is there. So I think it's it's dangerous to sort of to, to say that the US has done better over the last five. I know the, the list is not saying this, but, you know, it, therefore I'm going to take all my money out of Australia and put it there. The, the next five years could be totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I, don't, I don't know which one. I, I, think, I think both, well, there's a couple of points, both. Economies and markets, I think, <clears throat> I think as a long term, you can be quite optimistic about um, which one's going to do better. I don't know. Have have <laughs> have a couple of eggs in each basket, um, uh, but also it, it's not it's not. It, what am I trying to say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think don't overthink it. Is what I'm trying to say. Go go, go, go a little each way. It's um, it's worth having a think about. I I. I so I actually agree with you fundamentally. Um, I I wonder though, so look, I invest locally in Australia and I invest in some US ETFs and some US shares. So I've, I'm all over the place. Right? I've, got, I've got investments in all those buckets as you're saying. I've got a bit each way exactly as, as you do. A couple of thoughts. One is if you get paid dividends from those companies, remember dividends are franked in Australia, not in the US. So there is a meaningful tax difference, the same dollar of dividend in Australian dollars at least, is worth more to you from an Australian company who pays Australian tax than a US company who does not, or an Australian company who does not, by the way, by the same thing. So that's one difference to have a think about, not not a reason to do either, just have a think about. Second is in the reverse order, um, worth thinking about some of the great world businesses, global businesses, and where they might go from here. One of the reasons I own shares in the units in the NASDAQ ETF is because I think that the revolution that is kind of um, powered by the internet, at least it's very fundamental base, and then being taken over by other different, different business models and other things, has a long way to play out. And yep, it seems that. likely to me that those businesses that are most likely to have the biggest impacts are in the US. Um, just by virtue of a whole lot of things, including population size and uh, developed economy and a whole lot of people in Silicon Valley who live there and do this thing and um, the, the entrepreneurial kind of set up in, in the US. If I, was to, if I was to try and think about where more dollar value would be created in the next 10 years, I think it's probably in the US. Now, you don't need more absolute dollar value to be created to do well in shares. Um, I don't know if I said to you last week, mate, I can't remember, um, but I found out during the week, actually I said it on the good oil, I, think, I don't think I've, we've, talked, we've talked since then. Um, in apparent turns out, according to uh, my colleague Trevor Machedzi, that Amazon, since IPO, hasn't done as well as REA Group. You did mention this. Yeah, REA Group. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's done incredibly well. Yeah. So, well, you know, again, worth bearing in mind that even if you said, well, Amazon's bigger and better than REA Group, I think we'd all agree, but from IPO, not necessarily. 
So, uh, so look, the reasons to do both. I, bottom line, I think I end up agreeing with your point, Andrew, which is do both because you can't know. Mm. Um, and I think that's reasonable. I wouldn't, though, I absolutely would not extrapolate the last five years and therefore say I put all my money in the US. No, don't I think that. that would be a mistake, right? Mean reversion is a thing. Um, there would have been times over the last 100 years when the US stroke – what's a, what's the uh, parsons of streak? Streaked ahead? It's not stroke ahead. Maybe it's not streaked ahead. It's not stroke ahead. <laughs> stroke ahead, streaked ahead. Um, has, has bounded ahead of the ASX and probably other times when the ASX has bounded ahead of the US. Mm. And that, you know, mean reversion is, is more likely than anything. There's the old story of the, the pilot training, the, the airport. Have you heard this one? Maybe the airline, the, the, the military pilot training? Hit me with it. Where, uh, well, it's, you know, so, so this, this pilot has a terrible, terrible flight and this flight instructor, he yells, yells at him, yells at him, yells at him. And this he does much better. And he's, ah, oh, that's the answer. Anyway, has a great flight. Next time, the, the, the guy says, oh, that was wonderful. Well done. Tom, after that, it was terrible. He goes, oh, I shouldn't praise him anymore. That's a ridiculous idea. Mm. Turns out it's just mean reversion, right? Things revert to the average. Mm. If you have a terrible flight or a terrible game of golf or a terrible whatever, worse than normal, I'm always a terrible golfer, but if my golf game is worse than normal, normal will eventually come out, right? I'll, I'll, I'll hit a couple of balls well next time. And I'll oh, see, look, I've improved. Probably, it's probably just, you know, literally volatility around the average. So mm. um, I wouldn't take any five-year streak of any share market and make any decisions on that basis. I know the listeners talking about ETFs here, but I guess the yes. point I would make is that I actually don't invest in the Australian market. I don't invest at all. Um, <laughs> I, I own a bunch of companies that are listed on the ASX, um, yeah. but I'm not investing in the ASX writ large because yeah. um, there are a lot of most companies I don't want to invest in. And yeah, I've done pretty well with that result. I, it, it's <laughs> It's... It's the market is like the fish market, you know. It's and it's just it's just somewhere where you go to transact. It's it's what you hold right, right, that actually right. matters. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's that's why we I think you and I prefer going direct in in, in most cases because it, it yep. gives you that opportunity as well. So yep. you can actually look. Japan's had a pretty bad long term experience of its share market. Mm. There's wonderful companies over there. You could have made a squillions in. So it, mm. it it you know that's. Yep, that's a bit point. of a spurious argument because I could also said yes, but I could have invested all my money in one particular yeah, company that did, that did badly. Yeah, so right. I get that, but yeah, but it's you know it's you, the, the, it's not the market. You're, you're buying you're mm-hmm. buying companies here, and there there are plenty of great companies in terrible markets mm-hmm. and terrible companies in great markets, et cetera, et cetera. So you've you've got to you've got to think more granular. I think as a stock picker. Yep, I like it, man. I think that's that's super important. All right, um, let's. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. I think I think yeah, ETFs are still doable. I just wouldn't. I think mixing up is and look, mix up generally, right? Like, mm. if you're, particularly if you're going to be an ETF investor, grab some Australian, grab some US, grab some international. Uh, one from Donald. Hi, Scotty P and Ram. I've got a question for the podcast. If you'd honour me by answering, we will, Donald. Thank you. I started investing again in mid to late 2020. The more I've got involved and learned, the more I share and talk about with my talk about it with my family and friends. I try and share the love like you fellas. Good man. Because of this, I often get asked questions about investing and where people should start. My usual response is one, listen to the fool and straw man every week. <laughs> Good man, Donald, you'll put you on the payroll soon. Two, do your own research. And three, start by looking into investing in broad-based ETFs like, and he mentions a couple, an S&P 500, a global ETF, an ASX 200, things we were just talking about. Without fail, their first experience is, is the first response is, wow, that's expensive. The US S&P is $650 a unit. <laughs> Vanguard Global on $100 a unit. Oh, and the ASX 200, $125 a unit. I feel your pain. So then they come back and start spruiking me much lower cost, but more, more specific thematic ETFs, like the uh, cybersecurity one, Asia Tigers, etc. What should I do? How can I explain to people the difference and that they should not look at the price of the units, but the aggregate sum they are investing? 
Any guidance is greatly appreciated by me and in time, I'm sure my friends and family uh, by keeping them on the right path. Hashtag full on, hashtag straw on. Um, by the way, his name is Phil. This is the bottom. Don't tell Andrew about my laser eyes <laughs> on my Twitter profile. He might think I'm a narrow-minded maximalist, <laughs> which has gone completely over my head and I couldn't be happier. So laser eyes is a Bitcoin thing or it's a crypto thing. Um, there you go. The, the, I'm not the, sure it's a na- yeah. <laughs> Go on. Well, it, it's it's if you know it's it's, uh, it's something you put on your profile picture if you want to want to sort of say that you're 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 kind An of individual like everybody else. You're, you're all in. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I've, I've thought about it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go back to Donald's question uh, or Phil's question, as it turns out. Uh, tell, help me out here, mate. Oh, um, I feel the. Six hundred sixty dollars a unit. One hundred sixty dollars yeah. a unit. One hundred twenty-five dollars. It's a lot of money. Why would you buy an expensive one when you can buy a cheap one instead? Oh, it happens. Even with individual shares, people say, "Oh, yep. yeah, but you know, Cochlear is this much a share. Macquarie Bank's this much a share." You know, that's like, that's like saying that a one cent stock is cheaper than a two hundred. It's not. It's it's just. Yep. There's, what matters is the size of the business and you can divide. Yes. We've always given the pizza analogy, which is just a nice one. You know, the pizza <laughs> is the pizza is the pizza. I can eat the whole thing in, in one go uh, or I can chop it up into 100 slices. It doesn't, yep. it doesn't change. However, I choose to cut that pizza up. The pizza is the mm-hmm. pizza. And it's the same with these ETFs. Um, so it, if you want to invest $5,000 in something at 650 a unit or something that's one cent a unit, you've got $5,000 yep. invested in it. That, yep. That's what you've got. So it's 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 really it's really got it's completely abstract. So these IVV, for example, this ETF that um, Phil mentions, they could halve the price tomorrow just by doing a, a share split or a unit split yep. in this case. Mm-hmm. Doesn't change anything. Just we've just we've just now de- decided to break it up into more pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's surpri- It's surprising. It's ridiculously simple, <laughs> but it is surprising how prevalent that thinking is yeah. and how yeah. difficult, for some reason, it is for a lot yep. of people to get their heads around. I, I get to the point where it's just sort of like once you've got the sock puppets out, I don't, I don't know how else you can be explain kind, it. Be kind. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I, 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 I would actually put the question to you, mate, because I, I Phil asked you an excellent question because it is <laughs> it is bizarrely difficult to yeah. explain. What, what are yeah. we – God, we do this for a living and we've been doing it for I, God knows right? how long. That was exactly I still can't figure out a way to explain it. It's like if, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we still suck, yeah. I yeah. just – you know, I think everyone listening so, to this is going, yeah, we get it, move on. Um, and and for those that don't, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> just I guess at that point I just say, just trust us, all right? Take, take our word for it. It's irrelevant. <laughs> I, I agree with you, mate, and you're right. That that's The irony is, of course, that uh, – the thing is, Donald knows this, but he's asking us because he's having trouble explaining. Yeah, exactly. We're no, I feel he's paying. Right? Yeah, it's, totally. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We're, we're having trouble as well. Uh, two, two thoughts. So first thing is do the pizza thing, right? So how much is the pizza worth from Domino's or whatever company you want to choose? I own shares in Domino's, I have to say now. Um, let's say Pizza Hut, says the disclosures. Um, uh, you know, 20 bucks. Okay, well, how much is each piece? And they should say either – well, X dollars, and say, okay, and you cut them a really tiny piece of here, where's, where's the money? And they'll laugh at you go, ha, 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 but that's the point. Or, if they, I don't know, it depends how big it is, you say, exactly, mm. that's the point. So the size, of the, the size of the pie matters, not just how much per slice it is. The other one you can do is a $100 note. So someone, look, would you pay me more if I gave you 10, $10 notes? Oh, I like this or, one. Yeah. Or $25 notes? Yeah. Which would you pay more for? And they're going to be like, but it's the same thing. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, but the five dollar notes are cheaper, so that that you should buy those ones, right? By the way, when my daughter was younger, that worked a treat. Actually, yeah, she would always oh, go mate, for the the big silver. The big silver coins are great. Oh, yeah. so much better than the tiny little gold coins yeah. or the plastic stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. doesn't work anymore. Does yeah, it? Well, you can get away with it when you're four. 
Um, it's like you know, when you're an adult, it's like, come on. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? So you say, which, which would you pay me more for? $10, $10 notes or $25 notes? Mm. Well, that's the same thing. I pay $100 for it. Really? Well, but that one's small, that one's bigger. Yeah, yeah but I, and eventually if you can get them through, that's the other way to have a think about it. If anyone's out there listening and has a better idea, please tell us. Yeah. Because uh, as Andrew said, we are struggling. We've, we, we're just for a quid and it is really, really... The problem, you know, the problem is that the value of the companies, we're so... Here's the problem with the share market. It's become so reductive. Mm. And so abstract, and this is why I, I you know, this ram because I used to do it to you. I, I make everybody at the Motley Fool, except <laughs> my boss who just refused to do it, who I couldn't make do anything. Um, uh, who uh, I'd say, you know, uh, they'd, they'd say, "Oh, I'm going to buy shares in WOW," or they wouldn't. You don't always talk like that, but you type it right. Yeah. I say, "Wow, the, what business is Wow? I've never heard of it." And they go, "Oh, it's Woolworths." Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you used to drive me crazy. And go, yeah, right. Totally right. <laughs> I get the point. It's a good point. But yeah. there's a point to it, right? Yeah. Which is think about it as a business. And when you say, oh, well, this is a $12 or in this case, $35 where they are. So are they? Like, what, what does that tell you? The $35 each. But how many are, you know, do, you get, do I get by the whole business for $35? No. Mm. Well, it's only one part. Oh, okay. Well, and it's really, really hard. It's like, again, the piece of pizza thing comes back as such an easy one. But, I think we've stopped talking about, talking about businesses as businesses, right? If we had, if we reported the market caps of companies rather than share prices, mm. I think it'd be a whole lot more useful because yeah. it really does tell more of a story. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we should move on, mate, because we haven't solved the problem. But our listeners, hit us up on Twitter um, at TMF Scott P or at the Motley Fool AU or Andrew's at Sage underscore Simeon or at Strawman Vest. Hit us up. What is the best analogy to help people understand the difference between the per share price of a company and its total value? Because I'd love to know. And by the way, once you've given it a good hard crack and they still don't get it, maybe just the share market's not for you. Just be, <laughs> let, let's let's just be a little bit mean. Um, there 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 no. are a lot there are a lot of hard things to get your head around in this game, <laughs> and if you can't get past that one, yeah. then it, you know you might need to be saved from yourself. God, that sounds that, really elitist. I know how that sounds. Is. I regret it instantly. Can we edit it out? But yeah. uh, you know, but, but there's maybe some truth to it as well. Yeah. Um, Grab something like a Berkshire Hathaway or can own shares or I say Amazon because that's expensive, but fine. So Berkshire's got like a 50-year track record of growth and it's $400,000 a share. And when someone tells you a lot, you say, yeah, yeah, but it was a lot at 200000 and it was a lot at 10000 it was a lot at 100 bucks, and it was a lot at $5. And so maybe that's the other way to sort of show the prices during that period of time that just because it was expensive at that point doesn't mean you couldn't go on to make a whole lot of money after that. Mm. Yeah, maybe. One from Emma, mate, and I love questions from our female listeners. Thank you, Emma, for sending in a question. I know you're out there, ladies. Um, there's not enough of you in investing and not enough of you in investing, uh, being seen in investing. So thank you, Emma, for sending us a question. Hi, Scott and Andrew. Love listening to your show every week, especially this is the one I mentioned last week, mate, when there's a rampage rant. <laughs> Emma, help me <laughs> out It's always here. a rant. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at your – this is an ETF question, kind of. I was looking at your shareholdings on the Motley Fool website. I noticed you have a few US broad-based ETFs, but no Australian broad-based type ETFs. I did notice you have Solpats and the Vanguard Small Ordinaries ETF, but have you thought about adding a broader ASX ETF? If so, which one? Or do you think your current mix of ASX stocks makes you diversified enough? Just pondering if something like VAS is, as an, sorry, is an ETF that I would like to hold. Full on, and that's from Emma. Um... I'm, I'm tempted to give you first go at this, mate, but I won't because ask, ask about me and I've got specific holdings. So I'll mention what I those ones and I'll let, get your comment more broadly. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Sure, sure, sure. I, 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 can't, I can't speak to why you do things, mate. So you're, you're the best <laughs> placed person to answer that question. I, my, well, that, that's disappointing because I was hoping you would. That would help me a lot if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind letting me know why I do stuff. Um, okay, so Emma, here's the thing. Um, I So 
Oh, man. Okay, I own some, I believe in international diversification. I think owning non-ASX investments gives you industry, currency, and geographic diversification. So let's break that down. There aren't a lot of big social media players in Australia. There aren't a lot of big consumer brand companies in Australia. There aren't a big number of uh, computer chip makers in Australia and a whole lot more. And so by investing overseas, particularly in an ETF, I get exposure to industries that we don't have a lot of here um, or easy investment here. The it gives you industry uh, it gives you currency diversification so that if the I uh, my my job is in Australian dollars my house is in Australian dollars my Australian share portfolio is in Australian dollars having some US and other currency diversification I think is useful and if it costs me nothing in other words if I can get it and not have to sacrifice returns for it why wouldn't I get the free lunch as they call diversification of of different currencies mm-hmm. and the same with geographies businesses in England and America and by the way a lot of these US companies. Last I checked, I have, I have to update this number, mate. I haven't seen it in years. So it's probably five years old. But something like 50-ish percent of the S&P 500 revenue was earned outside the US. Mm. So if you own, own a US you know, ETF, you're getting revenue from right around the world. And again, this makes sense, right? If the Australian economy goes in a recession but the rest of the world doesn't, then it'd be nice to have some holdings outside. If we all do, then I'm not benefited from it. But it doesn't cost me anything to have that diversification. So it gives me an extra bit of just, you know, potential gains or potential diversification. So that's, that's why. Um, I mentioned already in response to another question that I think some of the big tech businesses in particular, and I hate using calling them tech businesses because Amazon, Apple, and Cisco systems are very different tech businesses, but they're all called tech, right? Yeah, so they're not a, really. It's very um, but some, of the, some of the biggest businesses in the US are doing some really big and important things, and um, I think owning them is probably going to be useful. So there's all those reasons I own international ETFs. In terms of Australia, um, I don't love... Andrew already mentioned he doesn't invest in the Australian market, right? And what he didn't what he didn't summarise was the top dozen companies in Australia are four banks, two retailers, one telco, a CSL, and a couple others. A couple of big miners. Two, uh, miners. I mean, I left miners out. Yeah, BHP, Fortescue, Rio, right? So I don't well, I don't want fifty plus percent of my ETF invested in banks and miners, and that's just that's just the reality, right? So it's when we say buy an ETF, this is a, I hate this about the Australian market because we say buy an ETF. It's a great way for instant diversification. And that's absolutely true, except when you say, buy the ASX 200 ETF, it's a great way to get concentration in two sectors, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of not what we're trying to do, right? Now, mm-hmm. you'll get the market return, which is fine, um, but I don't love that. So to, your, to answer your question- Which is why you've got the small ordinaries, I, I suspect. Well, so what I- So yeah, I, and the small- I, I Which is- I'll give you the full answer. Define what Go that on. is, I guess. Right. So the small ordinaries is the all ordinaries, which is the top 500 companies, less, I think, I don't know, is it less the top 100, I think, from memory? Or 200, I can't remember. I think it actually Especially might the be outside end of, of the 300, but I don't know there you go. But it's, it gets rid of all the big the bottom ones. End of, yeah. It's the bottom end of the all odds. So the top 500 companies, less the big guys is basically what it does. Now, I just really, and, and to, be, to give you a really full and, and a proper answer, um, I am trialing, I mentioned this before a couple of weeks ago, I think, I've, I'm trialing a new broker called Perla and they have an auto invest feature. And you pay brokerage to invest in those companies, which is fine, or those ETFs. And so I literally went, okay, I'm going to trial it out. I'll put a set amount in every month. And when I get to a certain dollar value, they'll automatically buy some stocks for me. And because I'm doing the auto invest feature, because I'm trying the direct deposit stuff, I didn't want individual companies because I didn't want to be, you know, every every month investing in the same business necessarily because I didn't have a, you know, with a one company portfolio. I'm paying $9 brokerage, so I didn't want to split it across 10 companies or it cost me 100 bucks a month in brokerage. So I went, you know what, I'll pick two ETFs. I picked a the global ETF, I think it was, and the small ordinaries. Mm-hmm. One Australia, one US, auto invest in them both, job done. Mm-hmm. And so that honestly, Emma, that's why I have the small ordinaries. Um, I I wouldn't invest in that either 
because I have I have twenty ish Australian ETF, Australian listed companies, so I don't need the small ordinaries. I'm I'm more than more than well enough diversified and happy with my own investing stock picking in Australia to not need to do that. So this is a long answer and apologies, but um, just to give you the full detail. So I'm not buying any of those, not buying Sol Pats for diversification either. I'm buying them. I'm, every ASX stock I own is owned because I expect, hope, it'll be market beating and I'm, that's why I'm doing it. Um, I own the VSO ETF only because it just makes automatic investing. Given I'm paying brokerage each time I do it and I'm buying every two months, um, so I want to kill my investments with brokerage. So I just went, you know what? I'll pick two ETFs. I like Vanguard, so I chose Vanguard. I chose a global ETF, I think. I'm pretty sure it's the global. I think it's VGS is the code. Um, and the small ordinaries, just because I wanted Australia and US, one in each, auto-invest every two months, job done. Mm. And that's, that's literally why I've got it. So um, by the way, I will say, if you're listening, feel free to check out my portfolio holdings. The link's on my Twitter account and on the full website. Um, but just remember that everyone owns stocks for different reasons and that some have, you know, I, there's some stocks that I haven't bought for years. Uh, I threatened to mention uh, the old Gage Roads the other day, Andrew, now called <laughs> Good Drinks Australia. Uh, and we should have a, a better conversation about that in another, another forum. But I, I think I, when I last bought them when you were working for us about eight years ago. And I'm not buying them now. I haven't bought them in years and years and years and years. I still own them. Doesn't mean you should necessarily buy them, right? Um, the VSO, as you say, the, the small ordinaries Vanguard ETF, don't I don't mind if people do buy it, but don't don't think I've made a conscious choice to channel money there because I think it's the best possible idea and whatever. It's literally just part of a trialing out something, and I'm obliged, and it's the right thing to do to disclose my holding. So I do, and um, and so that's there. That's a long answer, mate. Um, let me ask a broader question for Emma then, just generally about a Australian based ETF or stock picking. What, what do you what do you think our listeners should think about that? I, I think you you made the the correct one the correct point, which is the concentration of our market. Um, but I would also say too, if that's all you do, that's, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, I've said this a lot lately, but I, I, <laughs> I think it's true. It's, it, it's, if that is all you do, that is mm. still great. Mm. Could you do it better? Yeah, I think you could. Um, mm. But it's not going to be something that you're on your deathbed and you have massive regrets over. If, <laughs> if that's all you own is the ASX 200 <laughs> ETF and you're holding it for a long period of time and regularly contributing mm. to it, you're, you're not. You're, you're going to you're, you're going to do pretty well out of that. Yep. Um, so uh, I, I, I just I just add that point on top of it. I think you know in a lot of things in life, uh, well, because the life and universe is very complex kind of place. Mm. You know, sometimes mm. complexity is is kind of needed, warranted. Um, but in finance, it's generally not true. In fact, the more complex something <laughs> yeah, is, the true. worse I've found it to be. Yeah, right. You know, no one in the industry right. says it because you're like, well, how are you guys justifying yeah. your ridiculously high salaries that these correct, investment correct. bankers and stuff get paid, and you know, or, or brokers get paid? And it's like, well, it's it's not it's not that complicated. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, keep keep it simple. It's a kiss principle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I, I think I think. I would I wouldn't fault anyone for holding the ASX 200 ETF, but probably mm. worth getting some other stuff around that just to just to help further that diversification. Nice one. Yeah, it's um the whole the whole market question, the whole what you should pay for question is a really really good one, isn't it? I mean, you mm. and I work for businesses that both charge. You own yours. I work for one. Um, I own some some shares in the full, but not not a large amount. Um, we you know we both charge for investment advice. We hope that our advice is worthwhile and, and adding value to our members. Mm. It's also true that across the entire finance industry, we are net detractors from the wealth of our <laughs> of our investors by definition. Because as Warren Buffett's written before, the average market return is the average market return. If you're paying fees, then by definition, fees are detracting. So, you know, take take every, every investor in the world, the total market return is X. 
the market, the return they get as a group is X minus fees. Mm -hmm. So by definition, if we didn't exist, the investing group would make more money than we do exist. Now, we exist because we hope that A, our education is worthwhile and B, we actually managed to beat the market and both the Strawman Index and the service I run, Motley Full Share Advisor, are beating the market, so we have added value. But the average fund doesn't after fees. And that's the, that's the, that is the challenge, right? Like really honestly... Um, and by the way, if you think humans are rational, try and, try and think that through. <laughs> you know, we're all we're all paying money to somebody to get the average return. Um, there's not many places in the world you have to pay to get average, uh, but that's exactly what the entire world of funds management does, right? And yep. so, including financial advice and uh, recommendations and and the straw index. So, well, actually, I, I, I do need to, for legal reasons, clarify: we don't give advice. <laughs> we absolutely don't give advice. Oh, sorry, mate. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All care, no responsibility. And I, I say that really. <laughs> I say that with pride. Actually, it's, yeah, it's, totally. straw man is not about telling you what to do. It's just not the yep. so. We're, we're we're more about. We want you to bring something to the table and everyone does and we all sort of share and talk and discuss and you go off and manage your own money. Hopefully a bit yes. better informed with some new perspectives, hopefully some ideas challenged, but, you know, it's uh, no one's telling you what to do. And if you are looking for someone to tell you what to do, then don't come to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, mate. I, should, I, should use, I shouldn't throw the word advice around too, too broadly. I know I'm better than that. But, yes, um, Strawman will let you chat with some other people. Uh, the Motley Fool does give specific financial advice, but we would still encourage you to A, part of our community, and B, think for yourself because that's the, that's the bottom line. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, um, one from Rick. G'day, Fools. I have a question about how to invest in new or emerging industries which have strong tailwinds and many potential long-term winners. In particular, buying individual stocks versus buying a basket of stocks. I bought a 2% position in a human genomics company in the earlier in the year for multiple reasons. It's a full recommendation. There are significant tailwinds within the industry and I don't have expo- didn't have exposure to this market. At the time, I was leaning towards allocating 2 to 5% of my funds and taking a basket approach. I can't tell you why, but in the end, I decided against this. I think it was just being lazy and didn't want to do my own research, he says. Since then, the company's performance has not been great. It is growing its top line at a good rate, but also growing costs at a faster rate. I'm undecided about whether to correct my error by trimming my position and taking a basket approach or just ride this out. I would welcome your thoughts, full on Rick. When did, sorry, really I missed, when, did, when did Rick buy this investment? Um, Recently? Earlier in the year. Oh, yeah. Are you wrong? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We talked about this previously that, you know, often the best performers just underperform and languish for ages. Um, and if, if, if the thesis is playing out and it sounds like the top line's growing very strongly and maybe their costs are going up, but that's to help them sort of get the land grab and, and, mm-hmm. and increase their future cash flows, might not happen. It happen, doesn't happen a lot. Actually, a lot of people say <laughs> this and it doesn't happen. But mm-hmm. if that's still all on track, just because so the, the share price is down doesn't mean you're wrong. Maybe you should buy more. I'm not saying you should because I don't know what the company is, but I just, I, I think too many of us, and it's really understandable, but we do, we go, we, we buy something and then in a re- blink of an eye later, and I'd say a year is a blink of an eye. It really is yeah, in, in this yeah. game. Um, yeah. You're not, you're not necessarily wrong. I, I've, I've said before that the, the best investments I've made have all done that. 
And not, not they've, they've, you know, for years. Um, you know, I think <laughs> the record is probably and, yeah. like two yeah. years or something. Or I think just right. just did nothing. I was down thirty percent, mm. and you know now I'm up sixty mm. fold. You know, it's it's sort of don't mm. don't and that and that's and that, you got to be careful of the counterfactual here. It's not that doesn't mean just because something's down that you will eventually be proven right. Like maybe you, maybe right, you exactly. actually yes. are yes. wrong. That's right. But but what I'm saying is the sh- the, the short term uh, share price movement is not. That is not the benchmark to say whether you were right or wrong. Yep. So that's that's really 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 important. Um, yeah, that's right. Now, it, just just on that on that though, mate. It sounds like so you're right. He says, you know, should I fix my error by doing X or Y? Um, it's not necessarily an error. So we made that point. What about the whole basket versus the individual stock? So I love I love I love this question. It's really great because I like emerging areas too, but. Mm. The, the trouble with it is is that you can be right in general and really wrong specifically. <laughs> yes. So we've often talked about, you know, investing in airlines. Uh, you mm-hmm. could have also talked about investing right. in uh, railroads, um, mm-hmm. uh, the internet at the start of the century. You know, they, they were all right in what everyone was. This is a new thing that's going to change the world and it's going to be a huge mm-hmm. industry. Yep, 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 mm-hmm. in all cases. And there's a thousand other examples. And yet we yeah. also know that 90% plus of, of, of companies in those spaces Went bust, probably yep. more than ninety percent actually. Yep. There was fifteen hundred car companies at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, like it, it, the winner uh, is very obvious in hindsight, but it's not <laughs> obvious at the time. So I think yeah. for that, I think I, I just think I see too many people make this mistake. Like the flavor of the of the of the moment is electric vehicles, and everyone is saying electric vehicles. Uh, uh, are going to be huge. Renewables are going to be huge. Battery storage is going to be huge. I agree entirely with all of those points. But just because you all have got a company that's in that space, it's far from certain that they're going to be the ones that win in that space. Mm-hmm. So it's probably better in a lot of ways to have a have a basket approach. For, if that's your thesis that this is going to be a big industry, go mm-hmm. go 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 very broad diversification through an ETF. Um, if you're going to go stock specific, by all means do, and by all means, is, is it is it mm. got a big industry tailwind tick? Massive tick, really great tick. But that's just the beginning of your due diligence. There's a lot of other stuff to 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 to, to before you can get that over the line. I yeah, I think I agree, mate. Um, I I think I think the, the big point for me is the last one you made, which is, are you sure this is investable? Mm. It might be a trend, but is it investable? Is it investable in this way? Um, I, because I've been around for longer than you have, Rick, at least in investing, I remember the first time human genomics was big and it was 1999 and 2000. I was, I was actually and at uni uh, doing science when, when that nice. was happening. And it was, a hu- oh, it was such a big thing. Wow. It took, I want to say billions or well, hundreds of millions of dollars and years and mm. years and years mm. of work. Now, mm. you, can, you, can, uh, you can sequence a genome on a desktop machine in the space mm. of an afternoon now. Amazing, and costing what, like, oh. tiny, tiny, tiny percentage. A few reagents and some power, right? Yeah, right, right. Oh, I guess you got to buy the machine, but yeah, not much. <laughs> um, and so, you know, all, all I would say, so I'm, I'm generally allergic to themes um, as as the starting point for the research. I think the the growth of an industry or the growth of an area or the opportunity of an area is something where you start looking to see if you can find a business that's worth investing in. Um, and if you think now, by the way, uh, Rick mentions a full recommendation. I think it's, it must be a US recommendation. Um, it, you know, I don't know what the research they've done either. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's as 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 detailed and as thoughtful as they can be. <coughs> but you know, I, I would just I would just be thoughtful about you know, is genomics going to be big? Yes. 
Okay, does it mean anyone's going to make any money? Don't know. Are any of the current players, let alone a basket of them, going to make money? I don't know. If I buy a basket of 20 and one of them does reasonably well, will it do well enough to cancel out the other ones that go broke? I don't know. And so I just, I, I think, I like, I love basket, I love diversification, but theme, therefore basket, therefore profit, you know, step one, step two, step three kind of stuff. Mm. Um, just be a little bit careful. And I, know, I know you're saying that, Rick, and I, I'm not, it's not directed at you directly, and I'm sure you're smart enough to sort it out. But just while we have the opportunity for a bit of a teaching moment for everybody else listening, um, just be thoughtful about, as you say, airlines is a great example. There's been so many of them where, you know, is a thing going to be happening? Yes. Even the internet, right? The in- the money made in the internet wasn't made by the internet companies. It was capital T, capital I, right? It wasn't made by the people who made computers and, and switches and, and cables and whatever else goes into computers and the internet. It was made by people who managed to use the technology for something useful. Mm-hmm. And even then, who, who, who picked SaaS, software as a service, as the winning business model in 1999-2000? Even if you did, there's no one around to take advantage of it. You know, mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those things where it just takes a long time to see who the winners are going to be, even if you know the theme. The theme winner might be no one. No one make, make, make any money or it becomes a commodity. Who's the winner in oil? Nobody. I, I've said this before, mate, but the oil consumption went up some stupid, like 10,000 times a year, like just stupid amounts. Yeah, hockey. And the price of oil went mm-hmm. up two and a half times over a century. Mm. Two and a half times in a century. Mm. I don't know what the average inflation rate of that is, but it's tiny, right? Tiny, tiny, tiny. And so you think about, okay, well, who, who won because oil became a big part of society? Literally nobody. Mm. Now, short term, yeah, bits and pieces, yeah. Were there some winners who made some money at some points? Yeah. Is that enough to say you should always invest in oil companies? No, clearly not. And so just, just be a little bit careful about, you know, what you assume is likely to be true. Even if the idea of, hey, genome sequencing will be big, if that remain, becomes true, Great. Who's going to make money from that? I don't know. Maybe you do, or maybe you're right, Rick. Just, just be careful of themes. Yep. I just very. I know we don't. I know we definitely don't want to go down this rabbit hole. But I think that's a oh, perfect. Okay. But you go anyway. We're gonna, I'm going to very quickly just sort of. I think that's blockchain. Don't say crypto. at the moment. Yeah, oh, it's crypto. God, I knew that was coming. It is. I, I knew mean, that was coming. The, the, no, it absolutely is. Yes. Exactly. This, this, this is. Yep. A, I don't. People who don't get it, I don't. I haven't taken it. Yes. Like take an idea that might be silly and take it seriously, as Charlie Munger says. You know, and yes. then maybe you've maybe after doing a lot of reading, you feel, oh yeah, it is actually stupid. But I've I've come to the opposite view that it's actually this is this is this is phenomenal new technology that has all mm-hmm. kinds of applications. Yep. Does that mean that anyone who buys crypto is going to do well? No. I've <laughs> said before. I think probably ninety nine percent of cryptos are going to go to zero. Um, right. And what I'm what I'm um, really unsure about is let's go twenty years out in the future. Mm. It might be that all the value is created on what they call the L two L three layer. You know the the layers built on top of it. Maybe, oh, yeah, that's right. maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. the Ethereum network is just a commodity kind of thing that runs, you know, whatever yeah. it costs for that network to run. It's yeah. it, people mining it or authenticating all of this kind of stuff it, will do it. It's just the enough. of the modern world, not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it could be. It, that's what I own. I own some, right? Um, but I'm, I'm not silly enough to be convinced. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm convinced that it will be a thing. I'm not convinced that this particular uh, blockchain will be the one that wins. And even yeah. if it is the one that wins, I'm not 100% convinced that that's where the value will be created. It's an open yeah. question. Um, and that's just being realistic <laughs> uh, yeah. about it all. Um, so again, I don't want to go into it because I obviously- I, mean, I love it. I think that's really important. The, the, the cool kids, and you're not one of them, well, not that you're not cool, but you know, who say, oh yeah, <laughs> you can't- so, like, cool. I'm a, like I'm a fan of, bl- of blockchain. Like the blockchain tech is really cool, right? And the cool kids say, oh, if you say you love blockchain, but you don't love Bitcoin, you don't really understand it, or you just, you know, whatever. It's entirely possible to say, hey, the internet's really great. I'm not going to go and buy Cisco or the local telecommunications company because it provides the internet. Mm. Like it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Could blockchain because distributed ledger? Yes, absolutely. Gonna, Could it power a whole lot of stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure where the value is going to be created? 
Uh, that's less certain. Yeah. And again, let's move away before we start talking about crypto again. Mate, uh, one from Damien. I'm not even taking a breath. I'm just going to keep talking. That way you can't butt in. <laughs> but, but, I can but. keep talking. <laughs> Damien says, good afternoon, Sage, Fool and Simeon. I don't know how Andrew appreciates me stealing half his Twitter handle. <laughs> then again, he was only calling himself the strange monkey or something. What was it, was it meant again? Well, it's a, it's, I think it's wise monkey. I kind of thought it was cool because, you know, you can you can think yourself wise, but at the end of the day, we're all just we're always hairless apes. We, <laughs> what do we know? <laughs> <laughs> you got to have some modesty and humility about things, right? I think that's very, very the smartest. The smarter, you know, you, it's like uh, what is it? Um, oh, I've gone blank on the thing though. It's just like the world. The world's the world's smartest ant is still an ant, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we, we had, I think we over we overestimate our abilities as humans sometimes. But anyway, science and literature last week, mate. Philosophy this week. You keep Watch, Watchmen is the movie I'm thinking of. It's when the world's smartest man tries to, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, comes up with a plan to, to get rid of the. Uh, oh, I've got forgotten his name. Because this, the world's smartest man is no more a threat to me than the world's smartest ant. You know, and I think <laughs> I, I just love that. Way off Very topic. Good. Please continue and save, oh, save me massively. from myself. Okay, Damien says, great show. And I always appreciate the very general but informative advice and information. A question for your mailbag as requested. He's got two, here we go. I'm a long-term holder in a listed investment company called MFF Capital, the old Magellan flagship fund, which is run by Chris Mackay, who started Magellan with Hamish and as a manager, I really rate. It has a very large holdings in Visa and MasterCard, which underpin payment systems and would be okay in a high inflation world. I'm constantly told, though, I am nuts as they are going to be rendered like the buggy whip and I should sell. Am I crazy? Oh, God. And is DeFi turning them into the Kodak type <laughs> I knew story? It was coming, yeah. Or am I right to keep this LIC holding quality and profitable businesses? If someone mailbag permits, question two. I have a number of smaller holdings and I'm aware that the smaller caps can fall faster in a correctional crash, certainly more than holding something like Scott's favourite stock, in air quotes, like Telstra would. <laughs> I own Telstra, blah, blah, blah. I know this has something to do with something called beta, but is there a way to know how this beta works or should be considered? Thank you for your sage musings and rants. And that's from Damien. Oh, well, you guys, Ramon's getting a big house. His head's expanding on the screen as we chat. All right, mate, this, is, this is a green let's... light for more rants. That's all that is. <laughs> oh, as if you need I've been holding light, back, dude. mate. Is you it... won't. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, actually, he has. Just quietly between the podcast we just recorded, massive rant. All right. Let's go with question one, mate. Um, Magellan Flagship Fund. So I'm going to answer this firstly yep. about the general fund. You can answer separately about mm-hmm. DeFi and then I'll go and make a coffee. Um, so here's the thing. I, I, It's always hard to work out whether you should hold an LIC or a fund given the fund itself can change holdings all the time. And I'm going to say something that's not overly complex or... or um, or unorthodox, but it's worth thinking about. If you like all the stuff in a fund or you've done enough research to know which ones you like and don't like, buy the shares. I said something about thematic ETFs, right? There's a cybersecurity ETF. And I'm like, people say, oh, cybersecurity is going to be big, therefore I'm going to buy the ETF. And I'm like, how do you know what you're buying, which companies, at what price, at what valuations, with what futures? And by the time time you do know those things, if you know them well, if you can pick the eyes out of it, you don't need to buy the ETF, right? You can know which stocks you want to buy. So when it comes to a fund, I, I really like Magellan. Um, I, I used to own units in this fund years and years and years ago, um, like more than a decade ago, I think. Um, so I, I like it. Um, the, so here's the challenge. If you know the businesses and the, in the fund well enough to make a decision on which ones you like and don't like, then buy the businesses So that, that rather than the fund, right? On the flip side, if you're investing in the fund because you rate the fund manager, 
remember the fund manager can change holdings at a moment's notice. If if Chris Mackay and Hamish Douglas decide, you know what, that's a really, really that's a silly idea. DeFi is the future. Vision Master cuts suck. They can sell them tomorrow and buy something else. And so I would never buy a fund because of what it's specifically held right now. I'm not a big fund investor. I'm an ETF investor generally. But if you're going to buy a fund, buy because you like the fund manager, not because you like the current holdings. Now, if the current holdings reflect your style, the manager has the same style, and that might be indicative. But Hamish and Chris could decide tomorrow to sell both those and buy Bitcoin instead, right? They're probably not going to. But um, buy, that, buy it because you trust the manager and you want to invest in the manager's talent and ability, not because you like necessarily the specific holdings is my general thought. Um, your thoughts on that, mate, before you get to DeFi and then we'll get to DeFi after that? Uh, yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. Um, very smart investors. Um, I'm sure they're aware of that as a risk. I'm sure even if this risk does prove to be very legitimate, it's... I think we've got to we've got to avoid thinking in black and white terms. I I I don't, yeah, right. you know what I mean? Like I think yeah, yeah. I think they can coexist and I think even in a world where it trends entirely to DeFi, that is yeah. a very long path. We're talking 20, <laughs> 30 years maybe. I don't know. Something a long time. So there's still there's I, I don't know if it just you wake up one day and Visa and MasterCard is, is dead. No, obviously they're not saying that. Um, so uh, Can I say very quickly, mate, DeFi is decentralized finance. Uh, largely blockchain driven, and I'll let you move on from there. Just want to, yeah. for those who don't know what DeFi is. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of it, it, like the the technology is actually it, it's very um, attractive use case for it because there's a lot of middlemen and stuff in between by uh, borrowers and lenders and all, all the rest of it. And it's just yeah. once yeah. you've got a system that can actually guarantee trust and probity and the rest of it without anything there, it just this is a far more efficient way to run. So it's it's got a it's got a right. potentially a huge future. It definitely does. Um, right. Uh, but I, I, I still think traditional payment rails and stuff will be around for a, for a long, long time. But your point is the, is the more correct one, which is, you know, these guys will see which way. Well, this is the, this is what you need to be comfortable with. Will these guys see which way the wind is blowing and appropriately mm-hmm. react to that? Um, I, I, you know, Hamish is a pretty forward-thinking kind of guy, um, so I, I'd suspect he would. Um, but I don't want to speak on his behalf. He can answer. He, he, he can speak for himself. Yeah, so look, if you, I mean, if you, if you if you think DeFi is right, you don't like Visa and Mastercard holdings, don't don't hold the ETF. If, if you if you have a high degree of confidence they're wrong, then buying something if you, whose major holdings are something you don't agree with is completely different. Mm. Um, but as I said by, by that point, if you've decided enough of what you know about what you like, then maybe think about buying the stocks individually. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, our second question was we so almost went past it. Um, Talk about the, the stocks that fall faster in a crash, mate, and the idea of beta. He says, I, I know beta has something to do with some, – sorry. I know the, the, the fact that smaller stocks fall faster has something to do with something called beta, but is there a way to know what, how this works or should it be considered? Yeah, yeah, really good question and really really an easy one. So beta is just a mathematical um, uh, formula that, that looks at how much a stock moves relative to the wider market. Yep. So a beta of two would say that – Historically, whenever the market's gone up 1%, this thing's gone up 2%. Whenever the market's mm-hmm. fallen 5%, this thing's fallen 10%. It, it doubles the move. So twice as much. Yep. Twice as bad. So a, a, a beta of three would be triple, a beta of 1.1 would be 10% more, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The trouble with this is, is that it's, just, it's backward looking. So just because BHP has a beta of whatever BHP has doesn't mm-hmm. mean that, that that's always going to hold true in the future. In fact, it's not. Um, guaranteed not to, almost, really. I hate it. I hate the concept. I, I never look at it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's stupid. Um, uh, yes, small cap stocks will, as a general rule, have higher beta. Um, but 
again, if the business is doing what the business does, isn't that, isn't that great? I love it. It's fantastic that, that, that people get even more scared in these areas of the market so you get even more extreme swings in valuation and more extreme yeah, right. opportunities. It's great. Right. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Long may that hold true. It's, it's very easy for me to say and then, you know, come speak to me at, during the next crash when I'm, like, licking my wounds. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, it's really painful. Um, but that's, that's, that is the correct mm-hmm. answer. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter. And, and even if you find, if you say, well, I, I want, so some, someone could um, logically say, I don't like volatility, um, yeah. so I'm going to go for a beta of a half. I'm going to find a stock out there that just generally, like Woolies probably is a good example. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a half, but I'm sure it's less than the market. <clears throat> yeah. mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean that that thing can't fall 30% during the next crash. Um, it doesn't, it, 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 in, in, and there's probably a cost associated with that in the, the lower the beta, the, the lower the, the total long-term prospects are, return prospects are for that business as well. It's just yeah. finance people have an ocean of data and there's a bunch of mathematicians that have gotten <laughs> in and said, hey, you can manipulate and look at the data in this mm-hmm. kind of way. And some of it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting and some of it's, some of it's useful. But a lot of it's, <laughs> a lot of it's not, you know. Yeah, exactly. Beta, exactly. don't worry about it. Yep. I mean, um, I mean, what's more important? Sorry. So, what's more important yeah. is 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 what the listener said, which is the awareness that this is going to. If you're at that end of the market, it's going to move around more. That's what yeah. matters. Is it is it twice as much? Is it thirty percent as much? Well, historically, that's the case. Future, I don't know. It's just going to move around more. That's what. That's. That's the so what at the end of it. But, but just to be clear too, when you're saying so what, you're not saying you should do anything differently because of it. You should be prepared for yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, just expect it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, don't be surprised. Don't, don't, don't do anything because of it. Just just know that when the markets move, it will be a rough, bumpier ride than something that doesn't have that same. It's g- Gen- absolutely in, in theory. Yep, yep, it is. And just be prepared for that. And that, and that's yep. and that's another yet another reason as to why you need to be a long term investor in that space because you, you've got to have you've got to allow time to do its thing, and for the for the for the fundamentals of the business to shine through and 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 prove you right because in the in between it's a hell of a roller coaster. Do you want a straight move from one to two or do you want a bumpy move from one to five? I'll take the bumpy move. Any day day of the week. But, and it doesn't doesn't mean either is necessarily guaranteed, but remember that's the the journey you're choosing on. By the way, and you are completely right, mate, in terms of what it does. I'm going to say beta because I'm uh, less classier than you. Um, The the, the beta of a, uh, if it it is, it does have a higher beta than average. And again, I don't even care. But uh, when Damien says, oh, should we be careful because it, it falls faster than the market falls? Yeah, but and to Andrew's point, beta is it's a it, it's an absolute. Is that I think it's right, um, or is it relative? Anyway, it's it relative. goes both ways. Yeah. Now, if, if the, sorry, what I mean is like it's it's a it's a set number, but it, it amplifies on both the ups and the downs. Now, if the market goes up more than it goes down, and you have a stock with a beta more than one, mm. then in theory you should make more than the market makes. It's, it doesn't work exactly that way because it's daily and blah blah blah. My point broadly is, if you're avoiding the big moves because it, it moves faster than bigger than the market. If the market goes up more than it goes down, you might just be actually removing yourself from the opportunity of making more money. So, so let's let's just um, again, I, I I say that almost with tongue in cheek, but that's the behavioural bit that goes with Andrew's point of ignore beta. Yeah. It's, it's a waste of time. Yeah, I did uh, I did joke on uh, on Twitter, mate. And when I say joke, it was a joke, and I know these things are a little bit precious at the moment. Um, with a new Omicron variant that was out uh, just before we were recording this a couple of days earlier. Uh, Best name I, ever, uh, by I, the way. Well, so I, I made I made the tweet. It was a joke because I'm funny like that. Um, my, my tweet was, this is not how I thought I'd learn the Greek alphabet, <laughs> right? It was all, all different bloody COVID variants. Anyway, so Perler, the Perler account, uh, a broker we mentioned before, replied, haven't you been searching for alpha for years? 
Uh, and I said, I don't think I've ever used that term, perhaps other than to try and explain it. I'm allergic to investment jargon and gibberish. And I, with Andrew, have never, people like calculate, you can actually calculate the beta of your portfolio apparently. Mm. If I ever do that, I hope someone fires me from the Motley Fool and sends me off to go and do gardening. Like when I, if I get to that point, like I, I give up. It, it's it's useless just because it can be calculated doesn't mean it should be calculated. And if it if it is calculated doesn't mean it should be used. Um, completely useless. Ignore it. That's There's a great Einstein quote that I'm going to butcher. Something like that. Not everything that you yes. can measure counts, and not everything counts can be measured. Something like that. It's great. Not everything that counts can be counted. Not everything that counted counts. Thank you. That's better. <laughs> One from Michael. I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure it's Einstein either. You you given Einstein lots of credit recently, or did you give who do you give who do you give credit for the other day? JP Morgan, I think. There we go. There we go. Uh, it wasn't any. It was someone. It was uh, Paul Samuel. I retain the message Paul though, Scott. That's the you that's, did. The that's important. important. That's important. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Roughly right, rather than precisely wrong. Yes. Michael says, "Hi, gents. Long time listener. I've listened to every episode, including the Good Oil." That is some serious high-grade commitment. Got, Michael, got I really appreciate punishment it. right there. Thank you, mate. Very kind. But a first-time questioner. I have a question about my two longest holdings in my portfolio, which have performed very differently. I'm keen to hear how you think about long-term holdings where the business or operating environment changes significantly and how you monitor and adjust your original thesis over time. I've held both integrated research and Codan for a decade. Codan is a 10x he says it was almost a 20x recently. Ouch. Uh, while integrated research has drifted close to my start point after mm. a drastic slide this year. Mm. Uh, by the way, I will, Michael, I'm going to give you up here. Michael's used codes. I'm using the names rather than the codes because I refuse to mention them by code. Uh, so, Michael, lift your game. I aim to hold very long term, but these businesses look so different to the ones I originally bought. I'm struggling to tell if they are, if they still belong in my portfolio. I love this question, mate. So do I. Thanks to the podcast. Has enlightened and entertained me only on hundreds of walks to work and helped me chill out and buy stocks in March 2020, which probably brought my retirement forward a few years. Oh, well done. Isn't that awesome. cool? That is so cool. Well done, Michael. Hey, um, mate, great question, right? So I, this is what I love. You just and this is not, it's not the performance is different, absolutely. Mm. But this is the key one for me. I don't know if sure he meant it as the key question. He says, "I aim to hold very long term, but these businesses look so different to the ones I originally bought." Yep. And if you're in tech, that's almost got to be the case, right? And it's, it must be so hard to watch a business evolve and think. Do, do I do I still have any business? Oh, whether it's up or down, mm. do I still have any business owning this company? Like, is it is it you know? But does my thesis even hold? What what do I do now? It's a really great question. Yeah. Well, I held until recently integrated research and oh okay got out. Sold. Yeah, I got out. Okay. Um, I lost. What does it say? It's all on straw man. Um, twenty eight percent. I lost on that. What a okay. dog. And and it wasn't it wasn't that I sold because the share price went down. It's it's mm. it. I sold because my thesis. I wasn't. I was no longer held any conviction in it. So this right. is a company that, if you go back a few years, they were just, just they were the unsung tech hero of the ASX. Just mm -hmm. incredible economics. You know, mm -hmm. most of the Fortune 500 companies use their tech. Very sticky products. They they do performance monitoring of large systems and call centers, payment mm -hmm. systems, all this kind of stuff. You just if if you're in that business, you you have Prognosis, which was their software that that monitored it all. <laughs> Um, and we just we just 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 created squillions of dollars of wealth, and then they had this big fall. And really, what's happened there? To, and I think I think the listener is one hundred percent right here, is that the it's no longer the business that it was. It, there's been mm. some big. We don't have time to get into it, but some big structural changes <laughs> there. So they're reinventing themselves. 
Um, mm. They're changing the way that they're selling. So just the, the business model is changing. They're moving more to a subscription rather than a capital thing. And they used to recognize all their revenue up front, even for multi-year contracts. Right, right. So there's a whole bunch of yeah. nuance and stuff in there. But more and more, my concern is, is that what they are doing is more inbuilt. in. So big enterprises, big institutions would have all this big technology in-house. And now it's more increasingly sort of bought uh, as SaaS sort of offerings which include a lot of this, not all of it, and there's still a place for it, but they've had to do a lot of R&D and the hope is that they can kind of reinvent themselves and, and come out the other side okay. And there's, there's probably a decent chance of that, so I'm not want to say they're definitely not, but I just I no longer held high conviction in that. So you're, you're absolutely right to say that the business has, has changed. Um, Codan's interesting as well. These guys do metal detectors, mm-hmm. of all things. And some radio equipment, right? And some, yeah, 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 for mines yeah. and military purposes and the rest mm-hmm. of it. Um and, and although that's been an incredible performer, it's a good example of what we've talked about often in terms of where the share price did nothing for ages and it suffered huge <laughs> drawdowns along the way and it had a big yeah. drawdown recently, et cetera, et cetera. But it just, again, yet another can reminder. What's that? Can we not say drawdown? Can we just say fall? Fall. Oh, God, I, I catch myself using the lingo. I say, I'm the same. Yeah. I, yeah I'm worse than you. Oh, I just thought it's so poisonous. It. it just gets in your head and you start saying correction. I If I ever say correction, by the way, also feel free to hit me. Just just genuinely, like, you know. <laughs> Negative growth Straight right, my right, right cross. Yeah. Which one? Negative growth. Oh, how did, how did that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I, I make a point. That's not an like, oxymoron. I, I don't know what is. I say, I say the phrase and I always say, of course, what normal people call a fall. Yeah. GDP, yeah. GDP had a negative growth. Uh, GDP had negative growth for the quarter. No, GDP had fall for the quarter. Yes. <laughs> We've got a word for nuts. it already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why use one small one when two big ones can do? So, or negative growth. Yeah. Go on. So, I, so that's like a little bit of colour on those two particular companies. And, bit of colour? Come on. And now that, and, oh, I've done it again. I've done it again. <laughs> Just for the, the the inside inside there is that the genuine genuine analyst question on a conference call for a company is, oh, could you give me some colour on what happened here? <laughs> it's, a, it's a stupid way of saying can you just describe the can you give us a bit more what detail. actually happened. Yeah, yeah, detail. It's more colour. Um, and by the I'm way, start, 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 you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna start finding each other for using jargon and giving it to charity. Yeah, we I've should. Made it, Absolutely, uh, executive should. decision. Oh, All right, okay. done. Lock it in. Oh gosh, now I've got to be careful. Um, Me too. Uh, w- one quick caveat: now that I have disclosed that I've sold those shares, watch them yes. go up ten x from here. <laughs> so please don't remind me on social media that that's happened. I'm I'm, I'm going to be that's fully uh, aware of Sage it. Sage underscore Simeon yeah. at Sage on Twitter. Yeah. Guaranteed, guaranteed that I'm I'm the ultimate reverse <laughs> indicator. Um, but the but yes, you should. I think I think you you you. you, you well, I'm, I'm trying to actually quote you here because I, you had a really nice way of saying it, which is. You, you don't buy and hold. You buy to hold. Have I got that Correct. right? Yep, spot on, mate. Well done. And I love that, and and I'm stealing it um, <laughs> with attribution. But <laughs> I'm sure plenty of people have said it before. By the way, it just used to drive me nuts that people say, "Oh, those buy and hold guys, they just don't care about stocks. And there's buying and holding. Buy and hold and is no dead, ever, and all that stuff." They never, yeah. no one ever actually meant buy and hold irrespective of circumstances. Yeah. No one ever said yeah, that, right? But stupid. the narcs went, "Oh, buy and hold means you never think about it again." It's like, no, it never meant that. And no. so. I, I kind of, I'm sure other people have used it, by the way. I, I did, I think I came up with it reasonably independently, but I'm sure I'm not the first person to say it. But the idea of buying two hold with the aim of holding for the very long term. Yes, no yes. one's saying, I'm buying, never going to sell no matter what circumstances. That, that would be out, uh, absolute stupidity, yep. but you get the narcs on, on it's been everywhere, like newspapers and social media say, oh, buy two hold, uh, sorry, buy and hold, uh, never going to sell idiots. It's like, you know. And no one's, you know, no one's saying that. Well, and, and so the <laughs> idea is, is that you, you buy with the hope that you've got a really Correct. great company yeah. with long-term compounding potential and over the, the coming years, it's going to make you a lot of money. That's, right. that's great. But, but, it, but the... 
the world is, is <laughs> I keep saying it, it's a very complex place <laughs> and it can change. Or you're in, mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't change, but your interpretation changes and that's fine. So just, just you know, if, yeah. if it no longer holds merit, then then get the hell out. You may have hoped to have held mm-hmm. it for 10 years, but but the things haven't gone the way. No, and again, let me clarify, not because the share price has gone down, but because the underlying business and the fundamentals and the opportunity and the prospects have, have materially changed in your estimation. And when that has happened, absolutely peel that Band-Aid off really quickly and, and put it somewhere else where you've got higher conviction. Nothing, even if even yeah. if, even if it was like two days after you bought, you know. Yeah. I know you're the ultimate. You're the ultimate. I've actually done that before. It's been a few years where I bought actually a reasonable chunk in something, and then it was probably like two weeks later I sold the whole lot out because um, because right. someone I was just telling someone about. And they go, "Did you think about this?" And like. Oh my God, I didn't think about that. Oh, oh gosh, oh, I've made a huge mistake <laughs> and I got the hell out. Um, yeah, yeah, and, right, right, and, right. And that, that, if you had told me at the time you're going to make a two-week trade, I would have laughed you out of the room. Yeah, like I, yeah, That was yeah. not my intention. But but I realized that I, there was a massive gap in my thinking. <laughs> I should go back and check it because it's probably up a hundredfold by now. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, yeah, you, 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 they, yes, yes. The answer is yes, you should, you, should, you should re-evaluate on a fairly regular basis, be honest with yourself. And if it no longer stands up, move on. Agreed. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to add only one thing, mate, which is I would my other my other another one of those lines I like is of a made up is I'm trying to be slow to buy and even slower to sell. Yeah, I like that one too. And and I, the the only the only caveat there is I wouldn't sell just because the thesis has changed um, or even broken necessarily if other things remain intact and you can come up with a great investment case. So let me, let me unpack that a little bit. Um, I think you should absolutely sell if you don't have enough confidence in the company anymore, for, as you said. If you have a business run by spectacular management teams who – so take Intel, right? Intel went – originally they're in um, memory chips. Mm-hmm. And they went, hey, this memory business sucks. Uh, not working for us. Um, and, and it's a famed quote of Gordon Moore and Andy Grove uh, – Gordon Moore of Law, by the way, who one of them said to the other one, if we got fired tomorrow – and new management came in, what would they do with the memory chip business? And they went, oh, they'd sell it. And they went, well, why don't we just do that then? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you get quality management and there's a fundamental shift or even a, even a even a, an incremental shift in the thesis, if, if you believe in enough of what else is going on, I wouldn't sell arbitrarily, but I wouldn't hold on for... for um, uh, Almost for you know, for, for almost for um, emotional reasons, or for, or for you know, um, you just just be, be sure that the business you own is one you want to own, mm. but don't necessarily sell for the sake of it if the new thesis makes sense. Be careful, thesis creep. You don't try and justify it to yourself. Oh, I can still hold it because mm. maybe X, Y, and Z. Just just be mindful that businesses do change and morph over time, and if they're doing a really good job of that because management's great, or they've got great teams, or the product's great, or it's used for other purposes, that can still be okay. Mm. So I wouldn't sell because the thesis has changed in and of itself. Mm. But evaluate the new thesis as if it was a new investment, and say, "Would I buy it today if I didn't already own it?" Yep. But there's probably, which is exactly the same thing you said. Maybe just there's just that little bit in between where it's like, if you've got a great manager who's still running the place and doing a really good job, um, it, it, trying to find another company that's as good or better can often be hard. And so just be just be mindful of that as well. One of the things, that yeah, that's true. Um, it has, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's absolutely that the hard part there, which is what you already said, which is is not fooling yourself. Where I've, yeah, I've gotten so into true. trouble before, so where true. I'll go, I like this company for X, Y, and Z, I'll buy it, and then it drops forty percent because of something that's fundamentally shifted with the business, and I'll go, yeah. well, that sucks and that's bad, but now it's in the price, like you know, and I'll say the, the business is much much crappier than I thought, but the share price is also much cheaper. 
So I'll ration, and you can rationalise it all the way down as it keeps on going and, and it's because there's a very, very strong bias we all have to preserve our ego to sort of say, no, 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 I wasn't so an idiot. True. I wasn't an idiot. So I, I was true. right. I got this part wrong, but overall I'm still, I'm still really smart. And we, we all do all kinds of mental gymnastics to, to do that. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. I think like there was a study I saw, which actually um, basic bottom line was the smarter you are, the better you are at doing that. Yeah. So in terms of IQ, um, which goes to show I, I, that it's such I a poor compl- measure of I wisdom compl- and smart. So it's, it's usually the super compl- smart Harvard-educated yep. yep. IQ of 180 yep. people that are far more yep. guilty of that than than us totally. mere, mere mortals. So you got yes. to, yeah. That, that so I just I just want to emphasize that point. So absolutely nothing wrong with holding on if you can re-sketch the thesis. Just yes. just be honest with yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've said in previous weeks as well, there's nothing wrong in the interim just selling out right now, yep. and then. Yep. And then, and then having a look in the cold yeah. light of day away from the mark without that endowment effect, without that ownership. And then you might go, yeah, actually, no, I am, I am happy to. And then, but you'll be buying it without that, without that baggage um, or less, mm-hmm. with less baggage. I think, that's, I think that's exactly right, mate. I think it's, a, it's such a difficult – so I want to just finish by mentioning ego you, you talked about. Ego is not the bravado – arrogance, uh, obvious stuff. You know, we all have that ego, right? Even the most humble of us. It's not. It's, it, it's ego in the sense, but it's, it's completely subconscious, mm. internal ego. Mm. It's the bit that just, you have your brain that doesn't want to be wrong. Yep. You know, and it's not, not so, uh, the, reason I, the reason I made that point, mate, and you made, you made, you made this point, but just to be clearer with people, don't think it's, oh, it's that guy over there who's always the, the, the guy who carries on and pretends he's smarter than everyone else and he's so great and he's got the ego. I don't have ego. Mm. We all absolutely have ego. Mm-hmm. In, and the, the very specific type, I'm, I'm not, not you're, some people say, oh, I don't have it. Yeah, no, you like literally, it's part of our biology. Like, yeah. You cannot. 90% of people this. think they're above average drivers, right? Right. Mm. And, so, and that's not, it's not a criticism of those people. So when we say, I'm one of those ninety percent. Well, I'm, I'm definitely well, a better driver than most people. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. Well, I've seen you drive now. Um, but yeah, so all, all I'm saying is, when we say ego, we're not saying look for the one percent of people who are just the absolute nut job, arrogant so and sos. Mm. It's the very basic human instinct that we don't want to be wrong, and that's everybody. The most humble person doesn't want to be wrong. They might be slightly better than me and knew that, that at admitting they're wrong but they instinctively still don't want to be wrong. They want to be right. They want to think they're right. That's how we have opinions. Opinions are the very nature of us saying, oh, I've got a view on this. No one says, here's my opinion that's wrong, <laughs> by definition, right? Mm-hmm. So ego is so bloody kind of, you know, um, it's, it's just a real challenge to the very, very ability I'll, of us I'll to be, think I'll be rationally. I'll end the podcast by the... being sexist, um, but in a good oh, way. Oh, God. <laughs> have I got you nervous now? <laughs> um you said, you, said, you said at the beginning you said at the beginning that there's, there's not enough um, female uh, people female people there's enough females in, in our industry and there's not and there's Correct. not a, and and generally speaking as a rule there's uh, in terms of direct investors private investors it's, it's a male game yes. and there are some structural horrible reasons for that but I actually yes. think a big part of the reason for it is because girls that just don't have they're better at that ego problem. Then yep. guys, guys tend to be far more ego driven, and we just think we can outperform the market. And we ask, "How the way, honey? Let me do this." Yeah, you know, you sit there, sweetheart. Okay. You know, <laughs> the man's in charge. I'm going to tell you. And God, we kid ourselves, yeah. you know. And it's, I, I oh, don't we? I, I think, I think there is. Uh, I've got, a, I've quoted this for years, and um, there's a couple of good studies. So I should Einstein, look them mate. Up. Einstein. What is it? 
Einstein probably said. No, it was, no, it was actually a few studies. And it was just, and, and the, <laughs> yeah, they, the, um, the girls are better investors. They get better investment yep. returns than the guys. Yes. And it's not because they're, they're smarter or anything else like that. It's because yes. they are, they, they don't suffer as much from this ego problem. Mm-hmm. And they're much more, they're much more likely to question themselves, which is a great thing in investing. Mm-hmm. And they're much more likely to admit they're wrong when they've made a mistake where guys are awful at that. We're, we're really bad at it. So I'm sorry to all the guys who are listening. I know it's probably 90% <laughs> of you out there are, are guys. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks for, thanks for helping well, me with the audience. But, but be aware of it. I think, click, I, I think click, my, click, click, click. My, best, my best co-advisor is my wife because if, if we're on the, around the dinner table and I always say, hey, we, I want to do this or do that, she's just she's not, a, she's not interested in this stuff. Um, and yep. she's, but, but she's just such a great leveler of my ego. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's actually a, it's it's a, it's a wonderful <laughs> asset to have. So yeah. Um, yeah, guys, bring the bring the girls in your life into into you know use them as sounding boards because mm-hmm. they are they are really good and and better than us us poor uh, uh, flawed males where we we suffer yes. so much from this. There you go. On that happy note. <laughs> Next week, Andrew, I'll be replaced by two other ladies who will do a much better job. Well, they would do a better job. I've got, I've got little <laughs> doubt of it. Little doubt. <laughs> not helping me, dude. Sorry. Follow Andrew on Twitter anyway, at Sage underscore Simeon and at Strawman Invest. Well, hopefully what you'll see is mostly things his wife's curated for him. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately for you, my wife doesn't curate my tweets, so they're not going to be as good as they could be. <laughs> but you can follow me on TMF Scott P. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow The Motley Fool at The Motley Fool AU on both as well. Follow me at Scott Phillips Money on Facebook, just facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money. And please keep emailing us your questions. Got some great ones through, which I'm yet to get to, mate, which is exciting. Good. But I'm always, it's one of those things where I get kind of a little bit, because then I get close to the end of a, the mailbag gets slightly empty. I'm like, oh, I hope they've got enough questions. We always do, but we are pre-recording some episodes over Christmas. So please send us your questions, info at fool.com.au. Come back Friday. You bet. See you then. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.